Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Joined again tonight by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing? Chris, what's up, buddy? This is now known as the Hearts and Nuts uh, podcast. We've officially changed the name to Hearts and Nuts. I think that's only, you know, the only thing we can do to celebrate last night's game. Um, it's been a minute since you and I talked. Uh, there is a lot to talk about. Obviously, two playoff games have happened since you and I sat down and did one of these. So, a lot to get to. But it's always good to do these, do these with you, buddy. Yeah, that like game last night was unbelievable. I think it's the, I know it's the, um, it was the best game that I have seen uh, since I've been going to the press box, and probably the best baseball game I've ever seen in person. You know, I've got a limited backlog of games in my lifetime, but uh, that one has to rank right up there. I mean, just that crazy end and and um, the comeback and and just how electric Truist Park was uh, once the Braves finally gave him something to cheer about. So, but yeah, we've got a few things to get to tonight. Uh, I know Brad and, and Scott and and Sean have been doing a good job of uh, recapping all this stuff. But you know, you and I it's the first time you and I have talked since the series started. So we're going to run through uh, some stuff uh, real quick before we pay attention to Game Three. I think the biggest news from the week obviously was Kyle Wright's injury kind of snuck up on us uh, i think we were a little surprised when we saw that you know he wasn't going to be included on the division series roster and then you know it took another twist uh the next day when the braves placed him on the 60-day injured list brian snicker told us that you know not only did he not miss the um uh did not make the uh, division series roster but he uh you know was going to undergo surgery and it's not a it's not a um you know, it's it's a significant procedure because he's going to miss all of next season as well. That was pretty. Um, that was pretty uh, a pretty heavy-handed um, you know announcement right before the division series started. I mean, what do you, you know? We knew. I know v, uh, he talked about his velo being down a little bit uh, when he came back. He he started to look a little bit better out of the bullpen, but he was taking a long time to recover. Was my understanding? So you know, were you were you surprised when you saw that Kyle Wright was shut down? Well, you know, if if people remember back to the last episode we did, I think it was the last episode we did, you and I were talking about, you know, how kind of we were surprised that they had moved Kyle to the bullpen so quickly when they had had all these other injuries, you know, to the rotation with Max and with, with Morton. It seemed like a perfect time to get Kyle back in the rotation, and, and they kind of went the other way. And I think now we have a little bit more clarity as to why that was, I, you know, I think they've known for a while that he's not been right. Um, you know, 
his velo has been a little down, but you never know if that's, you know, injury stuff or if that's just getting back into shape stuff. You know, velo takes a while to get back. Even when you're fully healthy, velo takes a little bit while to, uh, to come back all the way. So, yeah, it was a bummer and it was a shocker. I mean, I, I you know, I was in my head planning out different scenarios where, where Kyle could be a, a pretty big weapon in the postseason. And obviously that's not going to happen, but you know, the, the real kicker was he's going to be out for all of 2024 and Snit didn't really put a lot of, you know, we'll see. He didn't put a lot of, he didn't put a lot of qualifiers in there. He pretty much just said, no, he's going to be out all of next year too. And that tells you, you know, like you said, that tells you it's going to be significant. It's a significant injury. It's going to be a significant surgery. It's the shoulder, you know, significant shoulder injuries, surgeries like that. You don't know. You have no idea what kind of guy you're going to get when you do get him back in 2025 even because uh, that's just – that's a very, very serious injury for a pitcher. Um, so it was a big blow. You know, it's probably going to have bigger bigger ramifications on the 2024 team than it will, you know, the playoffs. You know, Kyle's been out all year, so the team has obviously done fine without him. And, you know, they can still win a World Series without him this year, but – um, you know, I think the biggest impact it's going to have is, you know, what they do in the off season in, in the rotation, because, you know, they, they were planning on Kyle being a part of that rotation next year, I'm sure. And so, you know, that's a hole that they now got to fill. So it was a big bummer. I, I feel really bad for Kyle. Um, the Braves, you know, they'll be fine in, in October, but yeah, how, what they do in the off season because of this is probably going to be the, the thing to watch. A good friend of the podcast, Grant McCauley, uh, caught up with Kyle after, I think it was after game one of the division series. And Wright said it was, it was some sort of a capsule injury in his shoulder capsule. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not big up on my shoulder anatomy, but did say, you know, it's going to be the rehab for the injury was so long, um, that, you know, it was, it was going to keep him out for next season. But, you know, he kind of talked about trying to pitch through it. You can find Grant's article in the Marietta Daily Journal. Uh, Grant's been doing a, a bunch of good work there all season long. Uh, but if you've got that subscription, he's got a great article on Kyle Wright. You know, I think I thought it was telling. I mean, Wright said he tried to pitch through it. You know, he wanted to pitch through it. Obviously, no pitcher wants to undergo sur- shoulder surgery. You know, just kept hoping it was going to get better. Uh, he was talking about, you know, he was missing about two mile an hour on his on his velocity, and 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 told Grant, you know, he's reaching back and throwing his trying to throw as hard as he could, and you know, he just couldn't make that couldn't make that velocity up. So, you know, the good news is is he can get a surge, he can get get hopefully get it fixed and hopefully work his way back. But you're right, I mean, no doubt it's gonna. Um, I think it alters a little bit of what they probably have to do this offseason. You know, obviously, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and uh, start talking about off-season stuff yet because there's still a lot of baseball to play. But you know, just a bummer for Kyle because man, he had a he was so good last year. Had a uh, was the one Braves pitcher that had a good uh, outing in the in the postseason last year. Uh, really felt like he was coming into his own, and he just you know he he he's been battling his shoulder since January, and they you know they tried everything they could to get him through it, and um, you know now he's going to have to have surgery. Yeah, and this really has been something. He, I mean, it's literally since the very beginning of the year, since since January, February. You know, he was dealing with this stuff in the off season. You know, it, it cost him spring training. It obviously cost him a big chunk of the regular season. It, it's cost him the postseason now, and obviously, it's going to cost him next year as well. So, you know, and that's the thing with shoulders is, 
you just never know. I mean, you don't know how long guys are going to be out. You don't know what guys are going to look like when they get back. Some guys, I mean, you know, you obviously hope this is not Kyle, but some guys never come back. Some guys just, you know, they can't get it right. And shoulders and elbows are kind of the two things that you got. You got to be careful with pitchers. And, and honestly, shoulders have probably become even worse than elbows just because the Tommy John surgery is, is kind of revolutionized elbow injuries. So, um, yeah, just hope for the best for Kyle. Obviously, getting the whole year to, to rehab will help. And we'll see what he looks like when he comes back in, in 25. Yeah, like you said, you just pull him for him because I know he worked really, really hard to try to get back and, uh, you know, was real confident at that, you know, as he started his rehab assignment. But, you know, it just it just never did make it all the way back. And I think he's still probably dealing with some soreness there, too. So, you know, hopefully the surgery can get him right and, uh, you know, he'll be back in the mix uh, uh, in 2025 season. All right, let's take a quick break and then let's talk about the division series. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, game one of the uh, uh, against the Phillies, if you'd have told me going into that that Spencer Strider was going to throw seven innings and allow two runs, you know, I'd have told you the Braves were going to win six six to two, seven to two. Wouldn't have shocked me at, at all. But, you know, that's not what turned out. And, uh, you know, the offense was held in check. They were shut out at home for the first time since 2021. No extra base hits, uh, five singles. You know, it, and Strider pitched well. He had a throw a throwing error on a pickoff attempt that uh, you know hurt him hurt his um, you know hurt his evening too. But gave up a homer to uh, Bryce Harper. But I mean, otherwise, you know, you'll take that start from him every single time, uh, especially with this offense. But uh, you know, it was uh, it was a downer for sure. I mean, the Phillies out there basically threw a bullpen game with Ranger Suarez starting. You know, and 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 Braves found themselves in an early hole. But you know, what do you think about the offense? I mean, when coming in the postseason, we were all worried about the pitching. You know, we're worried about Max Freed. We're worried about uh, the game three starter. We're worried about the bullpen. And then, in true baseball fashion, you know, we go out there in game one, and they just, you know, the greatest offense uh, this franchise has ever seen uh, has five singles. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it it, it was. I'm not, I'm not going to say shocking because when you have that long of a layoff, you have you literally have no idea what you're going to get game one back. I know the Braves did some some intra squad games and tried to get some real game atmosphere during the week, but it's nowhere close to the same. And just like when the you know when the team goes on that five day break for the All Star break, you know what the team you get when you get back, you you know you just don't know until you play a game and. Strider looked really good. Um, he had some bad luck, obviously. Um, but like you said, it's it's a start you'll take every time with this offense, especially at home. And the offense just, you know, the offense just got shut down. And part of that was because they were missing some hittable pitches. Part of that was because I think Philly pitched really well. I think their bullpen is probably a little underrated um, by at least Braves fans. I think a lot of Braves fans think they have a, a bad bullpen. But, you know, I, I, I would hope by now they realize that Philly has a, a really strong bullpen. They have nothing but flamethrowers coming out of there. It's all 99 and 98, 99, 100. 
from the guys they use. And, and that's tough, man. I mean, I don't care how good of an offense you are. When that's all you see, that's tough. And it was a bad game. You know, it, it after what happened last year, you know, it, it was very easy to see, you know, how negative the reaction was going to be because being the exact same team, you know, that kind of, that ended the, the the season for the Braves last year, you know, the way the team played in the, the NLDS last year, which was mostly lifeless, you know, a bunch of those games and, and last year were, were not competitive and to come out in game one of this series and just lay an egg like that. Yeah, it was brutal. And it was, you know, I, there was a lot of negative reaction online and, you know, um, it, it it was it was tough to watch, and it, it, it even it, I know we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but it even extended a little bit into game two before they made their comeback. But yeah, I mean, once you have that long layoff, you have no idea what you're going to get. And in game one, the Braves, at least offensively, I mean, they just laid an egg, and you know that's that's why they were down one nothing. Yeah, and I mean, you gotta. I think you got to give the Phillies a little bit of credit there too. Um, you know, it would have been really easy to try to ride Ranger Suarez a little longer. Uh, you know, and I thought there was a couple of times in that game I thought the Braves were fixing to break through. You know, and 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 uh, I thought they did a good job of uh, you know mixing it up with the bullpen, bringing different guys in, different uh, you know with different uh, repertoires, and you know really kept Atlanta off balance. Uh, JT Real Muto even said that you know I think I believe he said after Game One that you know they kind of managed that game like it was Game Seven of the World Series. And, you know, the off day after game one allowed them to do that a whole lot easier than it would have been if you'd have played two, you know, two straight. Obviously, you and I were championing that off day, and it works in the Braves' favor, too, because if the series goes four and five, you know, uh, four or five games, you know, the Braves are going to get Strider and, um, and Max Freed uh, another start in this. So, you know, you, you give and, and you take away, too, at the same time. But, you know, I was a little surprised the reaction. I mean, it was like the series was over, you know, and I think Matt Olson even said it uh, after game one, you know, it's the reason you play a five-game series. You know, it's just one game. You got to move on. Brian Snicker said the same thing the next day. He's like, you know, hey, we've still got games to play. So, uh, but I do agree with you. It was it was bleak. Uh, the first star, uh, first uh, part of game two, uh, you know, I, the Braves went 14 and two-thirds innings without scoring. You know, Max Freed wasn't sharp. Uh, Phillies jumped out to a 3 nothing lead on Freed and then added an unearned run off of Kirby Yates. I think a Travis Darno throwing error really set that fourth run up. You know, so they're down four to nothing and haven't scored a run in the series. And you know, I don't blame I don't blame you for being uh, you know people being a little uh, a little concerned at that point. Uh, but obviously, they did get things going. Uh, an unbelievable finish to that game. Travis Darno, Austin Riley, both homered. Uh, Michael Harris makes the unbelievable play in the ninth to end it. And I've never heard. Truist Park that loud I don't think um I, I swear I swear the stadium shook uh, on that double play to end the game but you know it's just a reminder of how quick things can turn in baseball and why this sport's so so hard to predict you know you can you play 162 games uh to try to decide who's the best team and then it all comes down to a, five, a best of five series you know, it's just a lot of random randomness. A lot of things can uh, can change, but uh, you know, it was it was it was a storybook win. And I mean, if I don't know how far the Braves will, uh, you know, this October run will go, but if it, if it does, uh, you know, game two of the DS is going to be is going to be the point where people, you know, say, hey, that's where it turned. 
Yeah. And, you know, on paper, on paper at least, game one, you know, in terms of the pitching matchup where you had Strider versus uh, Ranger Suarez and then probably a bullpen game, you know, that's the game you need to win because obviously in game two, you were going to have Zach Wheeler versus, you know, Max Fried who hadn't pitched in about two weeks. Um, and so, you know, that also, I think that also contributed to some of the reaction after game one was, you know, that was the pitching matchup you really needed to win. And, you, tr- you, you know, obviously the ideal thing would be to hold, you know, to win both games at home so that you don't have to go win a game in Philadelphia um, because that's a really tough place to play, you know, in October. And so now the Braves are obviously going to have to go win one. Um, over there, but yeah, really, really important bounce back last night. I mean, it it looked, I, I even I was very, very, it looked very ugly for most of that game. And the Braves didn't, the Braves didn't get a ball out of the outfield or out to the outfield until like the fifth inning. I mean, they weren't, they weren't even close to scoring a run. I mean, they, the only base runner they had was an error. And then the next three guys struck out. Wheeler looked unbelievable. It, it just, you know, the the Phillies kept on tacking on runs. It was one, then it was three, then it was four. It just looked really bleak. And, you know, that's an amazing comeback against that guy and against that bullpen. Um, you know, the 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 single uh, from, from uh, Ozzy that scored Acuna after Trey Turner made the error. And then, obviously, Travis hit the two-run homer off Wheeler. Who's, he's had good success against Wheeler. And, obviously, Riley hit, the, you know, probably the biggest swing of the series so far. So, uh, yeah, just a massive, massive last three innings. Because, I mean, listen, if the Braves lost that game last night and were 0-2 going to Philadelphia, this series is basically over. You know, you're not – it's very unlikely you're going to win three in a row against the, the type of pitching the Phillies can throw the rest of the series. So, um, you know, it, it was huge. And, you know, it was the largest comeback in, in Braves postseason history at four runs. Uh, no, no team had ever ended a game on a double play started by an outfielder before, which I didn't realize until everybody was tweeting it last night. Um, obviously, an amazing play to end it, but man, just you want to talk about coming back from the dead? I mean, it's that Undertaker gif of just him like raising up from the from the coffin. Like that's that's what it felt like because they were dead in the water for most of that game and then just came to life. But yeah, it was like it was also the same thing. It was. You know, it, it was like don't they sh- they shouldn't give the Braves a a, a breath here because I mean they had their opportunities I and mean, they left eleven men on base. They were two for eight with runners in scoring position. You know, Wheeler was so good. I can't even really fault Rob Thompson for leaving him in uh, to face Darno there, even though Darno had the best numbers against Wheeler of anybody in the Braves lineup. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting that he went with Hoffman. Uh, after Alvarado was just looked so good, um, you know, he just pretty much mowed mowed the guys down. He, he um, Harris did get a decent swing off of him, but Hoffman, you know, he hits Acuna first pitch, and Acuna hasn't had a, you know, I don't think he's got a hit in the series, but he had a walk and he had a hit by a pitch, and he scored both of the two runs in in game two, so he was still kind of in the middle of everything as far as that went. You know, were you were you a little surprised he, they turned to uh, Hoffman there instead of maybe uh, Dominguez, Sir Anthony Dominguez? I mean, that's who I was expecting to see. Uh, you know, I think the Braves have got some pretty decent numbers against Hoffman, but uh, 
you know, I was I was really happy to see him at that point instead of you know one of Dominguez or the you know the other the rookie uh, right hander that threw in game one. I can't remember his name right now, but you know, I was I was kind of pleased as a Braves fan. I was kind of pleased to see Hoffman in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, anybody but Wheeler, right? I mean, honestly, I, I was happy to see. I mean, even when Alvarado came in, I was like, you know, I know Travis got to Wheeler there at the end, but like. You know, Wheeler just looks so good. The Braves were swinging through 96, 97 all night long. You could tell their timing was off. But yeah, Hoffman was interesting. I, th- I think reading a bunch of Philly stuff over the last day, I think what upset Phillies fans the most was not necessarily going to Hoffman, but the fact that Hoffman went to a breaking ball with two strikes against Austin Riley. Because Riley had struggled with velocity all night long. You know, he, he had a couple strikeouts on, on fastballs up. He got to two strikes on Riley using fastballs and then he tried to trick him with a breaking ball. And, you know, Austin, I don't know how he got it out. Honestly, it was not a good, you know, you could tell he was fooled on the pitch initially because he was pretty off balance. It was kind of a weird stride. He ended up being doing like a one handed swing. Um, And, but he got the barrel to it and he hit it to the part of the ballpark where you don't have to get every bit of it to get it out. And it was enough to be a homer, but you know, that I think that's where Phillies fans were upset was, Clearly, the game plan for every single pitcher was high fastball, high fastball, high fastball. Do not throw breaking balls on the bottom part of the zone because this team, I mean, this team crushes those pitches. And so when Hoffman went to the breaking ball against Riley with two strikes, left it in, you know, at the bottom part of the plate, and, you know, he hit it out. And I think that's where Phillies fans were were upset the most. But I do want to shout out the, the back end of the Braves bullpen. You know, the Phillies scored their fourth run in the fifth inning. And then... Johnson, um, Jimenez, um, Yates, Yates. They got unearned runs yeah. come off of Yates. Then Jimenez, Johnson, Minner, and Iglesias shut them down for the next yeah. four innings. Uh, Jimenez, Jimenez pitched out of trouble. Uh, he allowed a single and a, a walk in that in that inning, but got out of it. Johnson allowed a single, but got out of it. Braves bullpen's been good in these first two games. They've allowed one run in, yeah. in seven you, innings. And, and that was and that was AJ Minner, and that was the catcher the catcher interference run, I think. Um, I don't. I, uh, yes, yeah. I, yes, I, I'm correct. not really sure why yes. that's not considered a uh, an unearned run either. I saw that today where that that still considered an earned run, which is weird since uh, catcher's interference is an error. But yeah, the bullpen has been really good, and and that was the reason. I mean, you know, holding Phillies the Phillies at four runs last night to just give the offense a chance. I mean, that was everything. If the Phillies tacked on a couple more runs and it was 6 nothing against Wheeler in the, the back end of that bullpen, I mean, I, you know, that's that's such a tall task. Four runs was already big enough. So, yeah, the bullpen didn't get – I don't think, you know, the way the game ended, the bullpen didn't get as much love as I think they deserved last night because they, they came in and held a, a really good Phillies lineup down, gave the offense a chance to come back, and obviously that's what the Braves did. So, yeah, huge game. One of the, one of the most fun games. I mean, obviously it was stressful as hell. I, I I would love to tell you that I enjoyed it, but I was I was sweating through the whole thing, and and I was trying to write a recap for the site, and and they you know they kept changing the score on me late in the game, so you know we had all that going on, but yeah, huge huge game, massive game, could be the game that pivots the entire series if the Braves can can carry the momentum to Philadelphia, but yeah, one one, and now it's a three game series. Now you got to win, you know, best two out of three. Two of them are in Philly, one's in Atlanta, um, and we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I mean, before we do move on, though, I want to talk about this ninth inning a little bit because I thought it was interesting that Snit left uh, Menor in to face Bryce Harper, which absolutely was the right call. Harper has owned Rosel Iglesias uh, on the season. I think he's something like six for nine with four homers. Uh, I know Menor walked him uh, to start the ninth inning, which wasn't ideal, but that's still, in my opinion, with a one-run lead, that's still better than letting Iglesias uh, you know, face Harper in that spot. And, you know, Iglesias comes in and gets, uh, uh, let's see, he comes in and gets a men, uh, real Muto to fly out. And then Castellanos hits that ball, and I'm sitting in the press box, and I didn't think that ball was hit that well uh, initially. And I'm just sitting there looking at Michael Harris, and he just keeps running, and he keeps running. And I'm like, oh, no, is this ball going out? You know, and, and you see him, uh, you know, you see him make that catch, and I'm not even thinking about the runner. Uh, but what a heads up. I, I had to watch the replay to even see what happened. But I mean, the throw in gets past Albies, but for some, you know, Austin Riley's right there and throws the first in time to get Harper. You know, I can't blame Harper for taking off on that, on that ball that was hit, but you know, what a, what a turn of events for Riley to be right there, you know, to, to receive that throw from Harris, uh, you know, in, in time to turn the double play. But man, just think about how soul crushing would that have been? If they, you know, if that ball goes out, you know, if you, you make that comeback and then get, uh, you know, and then give up a, give up the lead in the ninth inning. I mean, that you, you're talking about, you know, I'm like you, you know, if you go, you go to Philly down 2-0, this series is effectively over. Uh, you know, this team's too good to, for the Braves to beat them three straight times. It's probably not going to happen. But, you know, that was, that was an unbelievable play by Harris to end the game, not just the catch, um, you know, and I don't, I, I meant to look up to see just how far he had to go to make that catch, but the throw in and then, you know, to be able to uh, get that throw and then, uh, you know, double up Harper at first. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, you know, one of the best plays I've ever seen, probably one of the best plays in, in Braves postseason history, especially since it ended the game. You know, the thing that stuck with me, I think is that, I understood what Harper was doing. I think he did make a mistake by not stopping at second because if you stop at second, then you can probably still score if the ball drops. At the very least, you know, at the very worst case scenario, you're going to have second and third with one out and only down a run. And if you stop at second, if the if you do see that Michael catches it, you can still get back to first in time. The what what hurt him was the four or five steps he took past second base. And then as soon as he saw Michael catch it, he he tried to stop on a dime and turn and he slipped. And, you know, by that point he was he was just done. And and Austin obviously made an incredible play by backing up that throw and, and getting him out at first. But yeah, I thought I thought Harper made a tactical error by rounding second as far as he did. He just, you know, he just didn't think Michael would catch it. And I get it. I mean, it was an incredible play. But you gotta know Michael Harris is one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. Like you gotta I don't know if you can assume he's got to catch it, but I think you got to stop at second base there. Um, and then the other thing, of course, was just, you know, Riley being, I mean, it was kind of the Riley, it was kind of the Riley game, right? I mean, he had to go ahead two run homer in the eighth. And then, you know, he made that incredible heads up play to back up the throw. He really shouldn't have even been there. I mean, the only reason he's there is to back up that throw. You know, if, if the play ended up being at third, then he's got to be at third base. He ended up almost directly in front of the second base bag to, to pick that ball up. And, and got Harper just in time. So, yeah, incredible play. You know, the Braves only led for one of the 18 innings in those two games. Uh, Philly either had the lead or, or the game was tied for 17 of the 18 innings. But, you know, the Braves 
they let in the one that counts to get the split. So um, it was an incredible game, incredible ending. And like I said, I, I'm hoping they can take some of this momentum. Uh, you know, obviously there's a day off, so that that's going to hurt it a little bit. But, you know, uh, Citizens Bank is a really, really tough place to play. It would be awesome if the Braves could maybe get some runs early, you know, play with a lead, which is something they haven't done at any point in this series, and and take their chances from there. But, yeah, massive game. Yeah, and the last note from this game was uh, Max Freed. Max Freed talked to, spoke after the uh, after the game was over. And just said he was rusty. He said, though, you know, his issues that night was all command related, had nothing to do with the blister. He said he was fine physically, um, which to me, I think, was is a significant because that was the worry. You know, uh, I think we thought maybe he'd go out and pitch really well. And then the fear was, you know, we'd find out after the game that that blister popped back up and, then, you know, he might not be able to start in game five, but, uh, you know, he's going to be good to go. He basically said, you know, he, he could only command his curveball. He said it was the only pitch that, you know, he, he had any, um, you know, any confidence in. And I know, you know, the final line was ugly, um, but he did a good job. I mean, it, he got out of bases loaded jam in the first inning. This thing could have been, it could have been five, six, nothing quickly um, in that. And, you know, the Braves, he did a good job uh, giving them four innings, on 95 pitches and you know being able to turn it over to the bullpen after that because you know if if they give up a five or six spot early um you know it's just it was just against wheeler it was just going to be you know more than they could have overcome yeah and you know i was concerned about max of course Uh, i think everybody was concerned about max but you know he was able to at least hold the line and um i'm gonna be very to see how he looks in game five um you know, if it gets to that point, he hasn't pitched two games that quickly really since like August. I mean, you know, they, once they clinched in September, they were giving everybody so much time off. Um, it's going to be very interesting what, what he looks like. Um, you know, if this does get to a game five back in Atlanta, cause it'll be against Wheeler, obviously like it was last night, but yeah, it was, it's good to see him back, but the Braves definitely need you know, they need the real Max Freed. They need the the sharp Max Freed. Um, you know, even if it's not for this series, they'll definitely need him for, you know, if they make it to the NLCS or even the World Series. They need, you know, they need their horse. That's well said. I mean, you're right. They're going to have to have him. Uh, they're going to have to have him be a whole lot uh, sharper than uh, what he was the other night. But, again, good to know that he came out of that uh, healthy and uh, fine physically from a physical standpoint. Let's take another break, and then uh, we'll talk about uh, Game 3. Before we start talking about Game 3, I did want to mention this. I mean, there were a lot of talk after the Braves lost that Game 1 about the uh, playoff format. Um, You know, and I think uh, the Braves got a lot of heat. Uh, Braves fans got a lot of heat for that online. And, uh, you know, I wanted to at least mention this this here um you know i don't i thought that was look i'm critical of Braves fans a lot of times uh you know sometimes they light my mentions up too but you know i think the dodgers losing had a lot of a lot to do with those columns that were written about the playoff format as much as the Braves as as it was the braves you know the uh, baltimore baltimore's playing for their life right now as we're recording this uh you know you you were in the situation where three 100 win teams uh, you know, we're, we're down in the division series. So I think it's, it's uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a situation well where the Braves lost. We've got to change the play, uh, playoff format. You know, it's not just the Braves. Uh, the Dodgers are down 0-2 now. 
And uh, like I said, Baltimore's facing elimination tonight as we record uh, record this. Uh, but I did want to ask you about the playoff format and see what you thought. You know, I don't think anybody's satisfied with the the five day layoff, but I, I, at the same time. You know, if you ask the Milwaukee Brewers right now, would you guys rather played in the wild card round or would you rather had the uh, first round bye? Every they're going to take the bye. No team is going to say, "Hey, we don't want to win the division. We want to just, uh, you know, win the uh, wild card and go on." Um, you know, I, I just feel like we're a whole lot closer to getting two more teams in the postseason than we are dropping two teams. Uh, if you've paid any attention to labor negotiations over the last you know, three or four seasons, uh, you know, ownership wanted two more playoff teams in, in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, and, and the uh, system that we have right now is, uh, was what was, uh, put in the CBA. You know, I do think reseeding, uh, could be a good, uh, option as well. Um, but I would, I would caution everybody that if the Braves had played the Diamondbacks in game one, you know, they still might have been down 0-1. You know, some of it I think small sample size theater too. I know uh, 300 win teams got beat in the division series last year too. You know, and that's obviously what you got. I mean, we've only got two years of this format to really draw data from. But even if the data shows that, you you know, the buy is, is, is it puts teams at a, dis, a disadvantage, I still don't know how you fix it at this point. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a complicated issue, and you know I think I think uh, Ken Rosenthal tweeted this out, but before the Braves won last night, I think like the top six teams in the in the majors by record were like zero and eight in the playoffs. You know, if you look at the Braves, the Dodgers, uh, the Rays got swept. the The Orioles were zero and two at that point. Uh, the Brewers went zero and two in the in the wild card round. So like, yeah, the, all the best teams like no, no, none of them have won a game yet. And so you know, like you said, I, you know, the Braves fans are the ones that caught a lot of crap for that. But it's not you know the Braves losing game one. It was not the reason all these columns were being written. It's because all the best teams were losing, and other than the Astros, really, and that's kind of how it was last year too. And so you know, when you're only in year two of a format, and all the best teams keep losing then it's, you know, it's fair to ask, is this format the best we can do? Like, are we, and you have to get it right because if you mess up the incentive structure, if, if teams no longer have an incentive to be the best teams, then you, then you get into a whole can of worms where teams aren't paying for free agents anymore. Nobody's spending money. Like it's a, there's a whole trickle down effect of once the incentive structure gets backwards, uh, a lot of bad stuff starts happening. So it's a, it, it is an important question and, and it's one that should be asked. Um, you know, in terms of how I would fix it, I love the KBO style of of handling wildcard teams where you have a it's a two game it's a two game wildcard and the higher seeded team has to win one game and the lower seeded team has to win both games to advance. So you know it's a two game series. You can honestly play it in one day. You could do a double header if you wanted to, you know, maybe do it on Tuesday of the you know, after the season's over and then you can start the, the division series on Thursday. So it's only a, you know, it's only a three day layoff versus a a five day layoff. The layoff is a big deal because baseball is a game of habit. It's a, it's a game of, you know, you're, you're, it's every day you have certain habits, you have certain rituals. And so, yeah, when you take five days off, it's a big deal and it's not as much of an advantage as it may seem on paper and can very, very much be a disadvantage. So you know, I would definitely love to see some tweaks to the format. Um, I, 
this is one of the reasons I didn't want playoffs expanded to begin with, because the more teams you add, then, you know, getting the incentive structure right is actually very difficult to do. And you can really screw up your sport if you don't do it right. So um, I'll be interested to see what they do. But yeah, I do. I, I agree with you. I think Braves fans probably got a little unfairly bashed when this is not a Braves thing. I mean, this is two years of this format and a lot of the best teams who get buys have not played well in it. And so I think it's fair to ask, like, is this, is this format the best we can do? Um, you know, should we tweak it? So, yeah, but I, I, it will be interesting if they make any changes for next year going forward, but um, it is very important to get it right. Make no mistake. It's not just about the playoffs. It's, it's about team building and, and where the incentives are. And uh, there's a lot of trickle down things that can happen if you don't get this right. I agree with you. I think where they messed up was expanding in the first place. Um, But I do think it kind of got, I think they accomplished the goal they wanted. I mean, there was some intrigue going into those final days and this was by expanding it. It was a way to kind of almost make sure that that's going to happen, you know, to some degree. But I think you had a bunch of teams in the playoffs didn't, didn't need to be there. Honestly. Um, You know, I mean, I look at the Marlins ended up with the second wild card, you know, you and I, I mean, we talked about them uh, before. It's a great story. Uh, but, I mean, they just basically rolled over uh, without Sandy and Yuri Perez. They really didn't have a chance against the Phillies. Um, you know, and that's, it won't be that way every season, but I think it's that way enough. And the fact that you had a, well, the wild card round was four sweeps, uh, you know, kind of illustrates that. Uh, I would like to see them reseed. I think that gives you, if you're the top, if you're the number one overall seed in the National League, I don't think you should be playing the top wild card team, you know, if unless that's the lowest seed uh, left at that point. Um, you know, I think that gives a, a little more reinforcement to to a uh, you know the regular season results or whatever. But you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, this is the format. The teams know what the format is. Nobody's going to actively give up that buy. Or say, you know, well, hey, we're just going to play for this wild card so we can just keep, you know, stay in rhythm and keep uh, keep right on hitting. You know, it is the format, and the teams are going to have to – they're going to have to figure it out, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, I did I, – I thought it was a little unfair to Braves fans. I'm sure there was some Braves fans that were upset about the format, but the reason those columns are getting written is because of the Dodgers and the Orioles and the Braves and, you know, like you said, the Rays. And there, you know, there are reasons for each of those teams. I mean, you know, Braves had some question marks coming in the postseason. The Dodgers had some issues with their rotation. Tampa Bay lost nearly their whole rotation. Baltimore is a young team getting their first taste of um, of uh, postseason action and, and playing a, a pretty veteran Texas Rangers team, you know, that was – pretty almost missed the playoffs but were really good for most of the season too so i mean you can explain it away a little bit but you know if it keeps happening then at some point you're gonna have to address it because you just you you want your best teams to to be in the thing you know and and i think that's where i think expanding the postseason really undercuts that because you're just introducing more baseball's random anyway and when you add more teams to it you're just you know, you're just adding to the randomness, uh, you know, as far as that goes. Yeah. And it's not even about making sure your best teams advance. In my opinion, it's more about making sure your best teams have some sort of advantage going to the playoffs, because if they don't, then what's the point of building the best teams, right? Like if you're not going to give, you know, in basketball, because of the way the sport works, 
if you build the best team, you have the best chance of getting to the finals because that's how basketball works. Basketball is not random in a seven-game series. The best team almost always wins a seven-game series in basketball. So that's the incentive structure, right? Like you build the best team, you have a really good chance of getting to the finals. That's not how baseball works. You know, in a five-game series, anything can happen. And so it's not, it can't just be build the best team and that's your advantage. You have to actually build in an advantage in the format for your best teams. Otherwise, there's no point in building the best teams. You've you've lost your incentive structure. And so, and that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, it's not so much making sure the best teams win. It's just making sure you incentivize teams to build the best teams by giving them a real advantage in the postseason. And, you know, in the, in, um, in the CBA negotiations, one of the suggestions the players had was give the best team, the higher seeded team, let them start a playoff series with a, with a win. Like you automatically get, you all, you automatically start the series up one Oh, and that way you only have to win two games where the other team has to win three to advance. Like that's an example of giving your best teams an actual advantage. And the other thing with baseball is that home field advantage just doesn't work the same. Like in football, home field advantage means quite a bit. And so that can be your incentive structure. Well, that, Home field just doesn't work the same in baseball, so you have to be more creative. And these are the challenges of, of, of for baseball is that you know the some of the incentives that work in other sports don't work in theirs, and so you have to be more creative. And so I do want to see if they if they change some stuff up. Um, but like you said, I mean, this is the format we have now. You got to do the best you can, and you know um, it, it's it's obviously good that the Braves ended up winning a game. So not all the best teams have lost all of their games which is how it was before the Braves won last night. Um, but if enough of the, if this keeps happening where the best teams keep losing in this format, they will make a change. I can guarantee you. because if they don't, they're, they're really going to screw up the sport. Yo, I, like I said, I just wanted to start this segment with that because I just thought there was a lot of chatter about that yesterday. And, um, you know, and people were treating like, well, since the Braves are losing, we've got to change the format. And that, that was not the case. That was not the case at all. If the Braves were the only team that were losing in that, I guarantee, I could guarantee you those columns wouldn't have been written. So, uh, But looking forward to Game 3, uh, Brian Snicker met with the media today and wouldn't still didn't announce his starter for game three he did say that they were pretty sure what they were going to do but you know they weren't ready to commit to it yet it looks like the options are Bryce Elder AJ Smith Shaver and maybe an opener maybe all of the above maybe an opener with those two guys following it at, at some at some point you know, I'm a little surprised that we don't have a little more clarity about this, but also at the same time, I'm not surprised because, you know, the Braves, Braves took it to the, the uh, day of last year to announce Strider was starting game three, even though we all pretty much knew that's what was going to happen. Uh, you know, they're not going to tip their hand before they have to. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to ask you, I mean, who would you go with in game three? So I would definitely use an opener. Um, I know that's not something the Braves do a lot. You know, I think getting one of your best relievers against the top of the lineup in the first inning is a is a really powerful weapon because, you know, theoretically the top of the lineup is only going to come up to bat four times. And so if you guarantee that one of those times is going to be against, you know, one of your best relievers, then you've already taken care of, you know, 25% of the problem. So um, I like that idea. The Braves don't really use that idea, so I would be surprised if they actually do it, but I mean, honestly, I would start A.J. Minter, Pierce Johnson, you know, you know, 
even if it's the first inning, it's it's you know either going to be a zero zero game or however many runs the Braves score in the top of the first. But it's probably going to be a close game at that point, and so it's still high leverage. I mean, there's really no such thing if if it's a close game and a playoff game. It really doesn't matter what inning it is. It's still high leverage. You know that's how it works in the playoffs. So that's what I would do. I would I would definitely use an opener and then bring in one of those either um, AJ Smith Schauber or um, Bryce Elder as the bulk guy after that, and then try to use the rest of my bullpen to finish the game off. But my guess is they're going to go with, well, I was going to say Elder. You know the way Strider has has pitched against the Phillies for the most part in his career, which is which he's had a decent amount of success. Um, I could see them going with AJ, just because he's got a little more velocity. It's a it's a brutal spot to put a rookie in, pitching in that ballpark against that lineup in the playoffs. And you know for that reason, I guess I could see Elder. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. If it, if it was up to me, I would use an opener to try to get all the you know let a guy come in out of the bullpen, especially if it's uh, AJ, so he's not having to start the game with that crazy crowd. Uh, maybe by that point you've put up a couple runs and he can come in with a lead and settle down. But it'll be very interesting to see what they do. I'm I'm not surprised they didn't announce. Um, that kind of maybe lends itself to it being AJ. They didn't want to spook him and, and let him you know rest on it all night. But we'll see. Elders had some good starts against the Phillies this year, so it could definitely be him. But if I'm the one calling the shots, I'm using an opener for the top half of that lineup and then letting whoever is going to be after that come in in the second or third. See, I think this is where it hurts you only having two left-handers uh, because if Dylan Lee was on this roster, this is a tailor-made situation for him. You could let him send him out there for the first four hitters, at least the first four hitters. You know, Once he got clear of Harper, then you could turn it over to the bulk guy and and go with it. Um, I wonder Brad Hand's not pitched in this in this uh, series. I wonder if they would think about using him as a lefty and saving Minner for later in the game. You know, Hand's had some success against the the Phillies uh, this season. Uh, he's also looked pretty bad against other teams. And you know, I mean, looking at their lineup, if you start Hand, you know, he's going to get Schwarber, but he's also going to have to face Turner and Bohm. Uh, and Bohm has killed lefties, um, you know, pretty much all season. So, you know, it, it is it, it is interesting. I don't know if they would really run one of their, you know, big guns like Johnson or, or Minner out there to open. Uh, but you know, what you know, what about a Joe Jimenez? What about you know, I, you know, Michael Tonkin? I don't know. You know, I'm I'm really interested to see how they go about this. You know, and then they could just do the boring thing and and it be Bryce Elder. You know, but. Um, I mean, my thing with Elder a little bit is, is, you know, why is he on the roster if you're not, you know, if you're not confident enough to use him here? Um, but then again, you know, Smith Shaver, I, I think you're on to something, though. Smith Shaver, the velocity he's got, you know, and the Braves have been trying – both teams have been trying to pitch at the top of the um, top of the strike zone in this series. You know, Smith Shaver sets up well for that. Elder's not that type of pitcher. Uh, so, you know, I wish I had a better feel for it. I kind of think it's going to be an opener and then Smith Shaver and then possibly, you know, Elder may figure in there at some point, maybe not. Maybe Elder was here just in case Freed, you know, um, had an issue with his finger too. So, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see. I don't, I don't think we'll find out before, uh, Wednesday morning though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely not going to tip their hand until the very last minute, which is what you should do when you don't. I don't even know if they know, honestly. I mean, they probably know, but I could see a world where, where they're still debating it. Um, I mean, it's not an easy call. It's a huge game. Obviously, you're probably hoping that you would be up 2 0 
at this point. And then you, you know, there's not as much pressure. You could probably start Elder or AJ and be fine. Um, but with one one, you know, these games obviously are, are much more important. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm fascinated to see what they do. Um, you know, the we know the Phillies are going to start Nola. Um, it would just be so mad. It would just be so massive if the offense could come out early. Get you know how about like a four spot in the first couple of innings and, and give these guys some breathing room, you know, get the quiet, uh, get the crowd, you know, quiet. So you're not having to pitch in that. It's a, it's a crazy place to, to play when the crowd is going wild. So, you know, if you can get some early runs, get a lead, get that crowd quiet, then you can kind of pitch whoever you want. But if that crowd's going crazy, if they've already got a couple of runs on the board, you know, you can see Elder or AJ getting rocked early and the game being over before you even get your, you know, your feet settled. So um, it's going to be interesting. I, I I would absolutely love if the offense could come and, and kind of do the thing they did all year where that's, you know, score early in the game and, and give the pitcher a lead because regardless of who it is, um, they would greatly appreciate a lead, you know, early in the game. Yeah, no doubt. And and it's important to get into that bullpen because this is the only time in this series that there will be two games played in consecutive days. You know, and if Nola goes out there and throws six, seven innings, then the Phillies, with an off day before game five, the Phillies are going to be able to just do exactly what they did in game one, in, you know, if uh, in, the, uh, in game four. They'll be able to come out there and just go – you know, it'll probably be Suarez, and then they can mix and match the rest of the way. But if they have to pitch, if they have to pitch in Game Three, then you can you can put a little more pressure on them as far as that goes too. You know, it's a tough situation. You'd like to win Game Three, no doubt, no doubt about it. But I, there is part of me that still feels okay because I know you're going to have Strider and Freed in Game Four and Game Five. You know, so I mean, at least it's one of those situations where. You know, you're going to say, hey, we're throwing our best. And, you know, if whatever happens, happens. And, you know, that wasn't the case in game two because you knew you had to win game two uh, just to just to even have a chance going to Philadelphia. Um, but, you know, before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you this, too. And this was just kind of – I was talking, in, was talking before the game yesterday and somebody mentioned this and I didn't really think about it. But, you know – if you if you follow me, you know I am not a fan of the Philadelphia Phillies, and that started way back in '93. Um, you know, if I put got my fan hat on, you know, this is the team that I would like to see lose uh, <laughs> the most. But I've got to give them credit for the way they've turned this roster over the last few years. You know, used to the book on them was, you know, they can't play defense. Uh, their bullpen's terrible. You could get Wheeler and Nola out of there. You knew you had a chance, you know, and that was basically it. They've improved the defense. I mean, they've at times have got Christian Pache playing in left field. Uh, the Rojas in center is is good defensively. Trey Turner, I know he's made a couple of errors, but, you know, he single-handedly kept the Braves off the board in that game one, uh, you know, with that unbelievable double play that he turned. Uh, their defense is better, I think, um, you know, Reese, not having Reese Hoskins hurts their offense, but it also at the same time helps their defense. Uh, I think Bryce Harper's looked really good at first base. Uh, and they've, you know, they had a hard time building out a bullpen. They got signed Craig Kimbrell, but they've also went out and got every guy that in the league, it seems like, that can throw 100 mile an hour from right-handed, left-handed, whatever. And they can just line up a line of those guys. So, you know, I'm thinking if the Braves get through this, they may not see another team as good as the Phillies are right now. I mean, I know they finished 14 games ahead of them in the division, 
but this Phillies team is built for October and especially a short series. Uh, so, you know, if, if the Braves can somehow come out of this, I think they've got to feel really confident moving into the next round. Yeah, the Phillies have built a really strong October roster. And it's not as strong for the regular season because in the regular season, the depth of your rotation matters probably more than anything. Whereas in the postseason, the, the how top-heavy your rotation is matters more than anything. And the Phillies have a very top-heavy rotation. And they also have just a line of guys, like you said, in the bullpen that all throw 100. And velocity in the back end of the bullpen is one of the, in my opinion, one of the biggest parts of building a postseason roster. It's something I wish the Braves would actually do a little bit more. Is you know, is get a couple more guys with that, you know, insane 9,900 mile velocity to get out of big spots. And then they have a lineup that can, you know, kind of one through maybe not one through nine, but like one through seven that can all go deep, right? Like Schwarber, Harper, Turner, uh, Real Muto, Castellanos. You know, they've got enough guys who can can beat you that, you know, that's kind of that's the formula. And that's I think that's what a lot of teams are are striving for is, you know, a top heavy rotation, high velocity in your high leverage arms, and then, you know, a deep enough lineup that you're not dependent on one guy. Um, and so yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think that, you know, I said all year that the Phillies were I, I believed in the Phillies talent more than, you know, anybody else in the division. I still think the Dodgers are are up there, but the Dodgers have just gotten so many injuries to their rotation. I mean, they had to start Kershaw game one in a, in a, in the NLDS, and he got lit up, and he's just not that guy anymore. And you know, they've just had their their rotation's just been decimated. So, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, other than maybe, I mean, the Orioles are about to get eliminated here because the Rangers are are dog walking them, and, and they're already up 2-0. So, yeah, I mean. I agree. I, I think the Phillies, if the Braves can get past it, these might be the two best teams left in the playoffs at this point. I mean, you know, once once this Orioles game is over, the Orioles are going to be eliminated. So, um, yeah, I, you, you could very well be right that if they can get by this, they're not going to play a team as good as the Phillies after this, and they're certainly not going to play a team as, as, as well set up in October as the Phillies are. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to make any other fan bases mad here. I don't want to overlook the Rangers, obviously. I mean, the Rangers are good, um, you know, they and they're down a couple of starters that, you know, they were banking on having. And obviously the Diamondbacks have been impressive, impressive too. They've got some good starters. I think there's some questions in their bullpen. But, yeah, I mean, this Phillies team is built for October, as much as that pains me to say. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you've got to give them credit. I mean, they're, you know, they've came in there and took it to the Braves and really – Really had a chance to knock them out. I mean, honestly, they were two for eight runners in scoring position. They get a hit early in that game again. It's four, five, six, nothing. You know, I just don't know. I just don't know if that's a you know if that's a hole that any team can climb out of. Uh, you sure did not want to be uh, down two zero going back to Philadelphia, but uh, but we're gonna see what happens. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be it, these. It's been playoff baseball, like you said. It's been. Uh, it's been painful at times. You've been on the edge of your seat, and it's not. I wouldn't. I'd say after the game, after game two was fun, but while it was all happening, you know, it was not. It was not a comfortable situation at all uh, to be following along. Um, but uh, anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? No, these playoffs have been awesome. I love postseason baseball. I well, I should say I love it and I hate it. I it's it's miserable to watch Brave games, quite honestly, especially when they're like they were last night was just like this nauseous feeling the whole time. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, the Braves are still alive. You know, if they can somehow, if they can somehow get past the Phillies, 
then they've got a really good chance to to, to make a World Series. You know, there's a very good chance that the Dodgers are about to get eliminated. The Orioles are uh, the Orioles looks like they're about four innings away from being eliminated. So, you know, a lot of the best teams are already out. And if you can knock out the Phillies, you know, it opens up, you know, really nicely for the Braves to make another deep October run. But you got to get by this team, and this team is tough to beat. So, um, but no, I don't really have anything else. You know, we'll be back at some point. I know Scott and um, Scott and Brad will, will handle most of the post game stuff. But um, yeah, we appreciate everybody following along.